my name is David Obermiller. I'm the farm manager at Fresno Adventist Academy. I've been asked to moderate the group this morning with my scratchy little voice. And so I'm going to plead with you to ask lots of questions so I don't have to ask them. As Robert mentioned, this is a youth and agriculture panel. And I'm going to start here as soon as we get organized. Uh, so let me start the group. Uh, we'll go from my right to the left. And if you could just briefly tell us your name and uh, what farm you come from or a little bio on yourself. My name is Alan Seiler. I'm 20 years old and I help run our family farm in South Central Oklahoma called Better Together Farm. My name is Nick Connect, and I've been working on Bountiful Blessings Farm. I started as an apprentice and have now um, become one of the uh, co-market managers of one of our farmer's markets and uh, just have enjoyed working on the farm and getting to know the, the Dysinger family. <laughs> my name is Kirsten Dysinger. I am 22, and I have grown up on my family's farm, Bountiful Blessings Farm, and I grew up on the farm without choice in the matter, but I have stayed by choice, and I could not trade the life for anything. I love it with a passion. My name is Aubrey Seiler. I am 22, and I work at Better Together Farm. I am my brother's assistant and a business manager, and um, I'm actually a videographer by profession, and I'm attempting to um, transition over to the farming world. My name is Andrew Ketz. I'm 25. I come from Maryland. Uh, from a farm called Atlast Farm. Um, currently, I work there with my father and my brother, and actually my sister, and my extended family as well. Uh, right, um, so. My name is Arthur Moliono. I um, manage the student gardens at Andrews. My name is Andrew Fisher. I come from Fisher Farms in Oklahoma, um, family farm and I'm 25. My name is Timothy Hyden, and I work at Harvest Fields Farm with David in Fresno, California, and I'm 20. My name is David. He was talking about this, David. But I, uh, I've been apprenticing at various farms. I started on the Dysinger Farm, a 101 crash course on the life, agriculture lifestyle, not just agribusiness, of farming. And uh, after that, I just finished a year at Black Hills in uh, at Battle Creek Gardens with the Dealies, and I'm currently in transition down Alabama. So, yeah, I'm still on the journey, not quite settled down on a single piece of land yet, but I'm looking forward to that soon. Okay, so I'm going to start this with a question. Now, it sounds like there's at least one ulterior motive in wanting to learn agriculture. I think we, we picked up on that motive right there. Uh, but if you are on, I'm going to phrase this question in two different ways. If you are grown and raised on a farm, what we would like to know is why you want to continue in farming. And if you come from a non-farming background, why you have or how you gained an interest in farming and agriculture. Of course, this is as a, a uh, presumed life calling, not a short-term decision. So uh, we'll take as many of you as you want to answer Keep your answers short uh, as possible, but answer the question thoroughly if you could. I grew up um, in a multi-generational farming family um, with many cousin farmers around. And for most of my life, I've wanted to be a farmer. 
And I think the reason is the, the training my parents put into the togetherness of farming. Often family time, work was play and play was work. Um, and I know as farmers, many of y'all understand that. But they didn't make it drudgery. We would go hoe the corn and laugh and talk um, and spend our evening quiet hours just kind of plodding down the rows, um, talking about various things. And we, we enjoyed it. Um, and so I think I, I have much to be, my parents aren't here, but I thank them for um, making, making it an enjoyable um, time. The life is completely unbeatable, and it's, it's a lot of hard work, but as Andrew touched on, the family togetherness, you know, you're working together, you're playing together, and there's just nothing like it. And when you've experienced it and tasted it, you don't want to leave. Something I experienced, um, the farming life was, was quite new to me. Um, as Alan mentioned in his seminar yesterday, when, when we first arrived on the farm, it was one of the hottest weeks that they had ever had. And, you know, with, with highs... On record. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, Alan was sharing yesterday his struggles, and he's, you know, been into agriculture for quite a number of years. But that, I entered that after leaving the, the work desk and air conditioning. And so it was a bit of a transition for me, as you can understand. But I began to realize that I, I began to feel a satisfaction at the end of the workday that I had never felt, um, you know, when I had accomplished something on the computer versus accomplishing something with my hands that was tangible. And I, I realized that my, my spiritual life was maturing, my, my emotional life was maturing, and I realized that these things were tied with the lifestyle and the agriculture that I was experiencing, and it gave me a desire and a thirst for exploring it more, and I've continued to find, to, to find what I've been seeking and have been growing since then. I also did not grow up on a farm, but I grew up in the country, and that was always very appealing to me. It was part of the best... Um, one of the best parts of growing up was being in nature and um, playing outside as a family and things like that. But my dad is a physician, and so having a hands-on practical kind of occupation was not something I saw firsthand in any of my family. But we did work together as a family outside, and I enjoyed that. But one thing that really started an interest in agriculture for me was when I was a junior in high school, I was homeschooling, and my family started reading the book Education as a family and just seeing the benefit of work and more specifically agriculture and farming in developing the character and developing the experience of a student really inspired me and then I just started getting into planting an orchard on our property and from there I just got more and more into agriculture and the lifestyle is really what keeps me at it. I just like being in nature, working with friends that become family and it's just something I wouldn't trade for any desk job. I just want to put it in a plug there. He mentioned the book Education, and I wish I read that book when I was in my teens. I didn't read that book until actually my first apprenticeship on the farm, and I was very disillusioned and frustrated thinking, man, I wish I went to college before <laughs> reading this awesome 
truth. And uh, I encourage any, anybody before any young people in here or those that know young people, get the book Education, just, just read it for yourself. Um, yeah, I wish I did sooner. Okay, I want to remind the audience that this is an um, a interactive discussion. If you have questions for these young people, uh, we'd love to have your questions for them. Uh, I want to ask a question myself. Now, I'm asked two questions, actually. How many of you in the congregation are farm managers on institutional campuses or in some way uh, related to farms on institution campuses? So there's probably 15, 20 of us, 15. Um, now, I, I work for Fresno Adventist Academy. I have 200 young people on the campus. Uh, it's a K through 12 school. And um, youth in America right now are known for not wanting to work. You notice that too, huh? And uh, one of the challenges that I think many of us face is how to get young people interested in agriculture. And I think you've partially answered that, or, or I should say some of you have addressed that. And um, what I'd like to see is if you could give us one word or a short phrase of advice on what we could do managing farms on school campuses, institution campuses, on how we can um, encourage interest. I'm going to ask a second question. Have you struggled on the farm? Have you come to a point where you said, boy, I don't know if I really want to do this. And then you wrestled through that dilemma and you said, yes, I do. Despite that challenge, despite that obstacle, despite pushing my character in that way, I want to keep doing this. So two questions there. If you can share a word of wisdom for those of us managing farms on school campuses. And again, secondly, if you ever had a moment where you doubted and you evaluated that and decided, yeah, I want to keep doing this, it's well worth the cost to me. Who wants to go first? Um, we have some neighbors that live near us. They're, they're the Braun family, and they have one, two, three. They have four kids, and I didn't really need to count, I guess, but... Anyways, and they've lived next to us, and we're kind of starting our little farm operation. And, you know, they just love coming over. I, they don't like to really take on responsibility, but they just like watching. And when we're putting little plants in the ground, and that's really critical. But they also help us in the wash house when we're washing. But here's one thing that I think would be really cool. Uh, I don't know how many of your institutional farms actually interact with the community, any, or if it's just for on-campus uh, produce. But if you can take these kids and get them interacting with the community, like at market, say, hey, guys, today we're going to take we're going to, our farm, we're going to set it up in a way that we can actually interact with the community. We're going to take the community food. Because for me, and for uh, I, we actually took one of our neighbor kids. I'm like, hey, you want to go to market today with us? He's like, yeah, let's go to market, you know, kind of thing. They see you working with the plants, but when they see that actually affecting people in a practical way, boy, does that engage them. And I know that's what it is for me because sometimes you get so like, man, it's hot out here and I don't really want to be doing this. But you take it to the people and they're so excited about it. They're your, they're your fan club, right? And it's like, oh, you grew this? This is amazing. Wow. Ooh, it is amazing. <laughs> okay, not to, you know, cultivate pride. But now it, it's like I'm doing something that it's not just work. This is actually important and it's affecting people in a practical way. 
You're looking at me. Anybody else got an answer? In Proverbs it says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusts in him. And there's so many young people that just haven't had a taste. Um, they've just been lied to their whole life, told they're invalids and believed it. And um, I actually had a recent experience where I was, as you're mentioning, feeling really just trial after trial in my last apprenticeship and wondering, man, all these things weren't going right. We were, I was in South Dakota. The weather there is uh, very volatile. And uh, there was a, a young man who came to the farm who had never worked, um, had, hadn't had a had job ever. Um, and people, he was treated like an invalid. People were telling him ever since he was in school, um, just nothing encouraging. And he came to the farm, and within three weeks, his whole demeanor changed when he realized he had hands, God-given hands and abilities that no one saw in him and uh, showed faith in him and gave him a chance to just work with his hands and taste that God is good and see how he provides and, and trust in him. So simply exposure, just we need to be able to give people a taste, and uh, God will lead in that. I'll just say a quick word to the Can to I, those. Don't want to ask him a follow up question real quick, and I'll take you. Are you saying that it's so enjoyable that the problem really is that most people just never had the opportunity, and it's not really that bad at all? I don't know. People, it's it's perception. We could grow the best food and give it to someone who has a really bad day, and, and just. There was difficult times on the farm where, where we were harvesting, going, taking things to market. Um, and I wondered, man, are we going to have enough? Is this, is this really great, you know, top produce that wasn't looking so hot? And, and honestly, there is something to asking God to bless the food you eat, to bless um, the food that's going to these people, because I can't affect their perception of the food or how they experience the flavor in that food and, and enjoy it. So... Um, it's really a perception that as for, yeah, I'm not quite sure how to answer that question. There's joys. There's intrinsic joys and in things. It's, farming has a way of getting your eyes off of yourself. If you put yourself in a room, the worst thing you can do for a person is put them in four walls with their own thoughts. And farming doesn't allow you to do that. It gets you out there. It gets you focused on God's creation. He spoke and it was in a way you see his thoughts expressed in nature. And he gets your thoughts out of yourself onto others. You're growing food for who? Why am I doing what I'm doing? I've had days, my first apprenticeship, the first uh, week was over 100, 110 degrees, and uh, we'd be out there 5 in the morning on a wheel hoe, and, and on these long rows, if you get focused on that, you might realize, what am I doing you know, here? What am I? But once you get to market, once you see the end goal and why you're growing what you're growing, the people who, whose tables it's going to, the trust it builds. Instantly, barriers go down. They trust that what you're giving them is good and not harmful. And it's all about getting the focus off yourself and onto others. And that's the real joy. Good. Go ahead. Thank you for waiting. I'm just going to say real quick, something for, for me as a young person, as a, an apprentice, um, could be as a youth, as a student, that made a difference um, was... When we first came to the farm, we were apprentices. We didn't know what we were doing. We always had to go to the, the person in charge. You know, okay, what are we doing now? Okay, get that done. What, what do we do next? Um, but the Dysingers left one time for a weekend, and David and I had to put on a market ourselves. And we were given responsibility that we weren't quite sure if we could handle. But 
we were entrusted with it and it gave me a whole different perspective that weekend when it was just us and like you know if i don't go out and harvest the green beans nobody's going to do it you know when you, the buck stops at you you know i think it's good to give the youth and give us a chance you know even if you don't know 100% they're going to make it they're going to do it right responsibility brings an, uh, more pleasure to it i think now i'd love to get uh maybe john's feedback on this or the dicingers because well, I'm in California, okay, and I got two young people who have never farmed before managing my farm right now so that I could be here with Timothy. So I could quite easily think, boy, this could be really bad. Um, was that hard for you? No. That made it easier for them, didn't it? You knew they trusted you. You know, that's one of the temptations I face when you have young people on your farm. When you work with young people in general, you often know that you could probably do it better, faster, easier, more efficiently than they could. But that opportunity right there, that empowerment would have never come if they had chosen, nah, this will go better if I just stay here. Now, that second question sort of got skipped, and maybe I shouldn't have asked two questions at the same time. Did you have any of those discouraging moments where you... Where you had doubts, and you um, evaluated those doubts, and you decided that you wanted to stay on the farm anyway. Yes. Be honest. Anybody here not thought that? No. Okay, all right. All right, go ahead. Um, in fact, I'd say it happens almost on a weekly basis. <laughs> we, we appreciate her honesty, right? Yeah, um, probably out of the entire group, I don't know everybody really well, but I'm probably the least farmer out of everybody in this group. Um, I actually came into farming through my brother's absence. He left the farm to go to Dysinger's. He's like, okay, Aubrey, it's up to you. If you, can, if you can work the farm and make money off of it, you can use that money to buy whatever you want. And I was like, well, I really need a, a, a lens for my camera. I'm a videographer here. And so I worked uh, all summer by myself. My mom was gone to Youth for Jesus. My dad was at work all the day. And I had just come from Weimar where I had lots of friends and I was stuck on this farm by myself. That was it. Quite the transition. Um, and so, yes, there are often times where I'm wondering, why on earth am I doing this? Because it's very different from anything that I would have ever chosen or thought I would do. Um, but you see, I found a lot of um, mental healing through farming. Um, and that, probably above anything else, has um, encouraged me to continue. Because not only have I found mental healing through that process, but I've seen others have that same thing. Um, and so that's really encouraging. And then there's also times where I, Alan and I do market pretty much every week, the two of us. We pack up our little minivan to the brim and we drive to town. And usually we're in there and Alan's like, Aubrey, do you ever wonder why we're doing this? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I could be doing a lot of other things besides this currently. And yes, we've talked about this. And then I asked the question, but Alan, if it's not this that we're doing, what else is there better that we could be doing? 
And we go and we think around and we go around in circles and we come back to the fact that this is the best thing that we could be doing right now. That this is what the Lord has called us to right now. Because not only are we together as siblings, which most siblings our age aren't together, but we're together with our parents, which most families our age aren't together. And then we're together with our grandparents, which just, I mean, it's such a unique experience and a blessing. And like Alan says, we come into market, we're carrying these ice chests, and the ladies that we work with at market are so sweet. And they're like, we're their kids pretty much. And like, oh, hi, you're back. And, you know, so like we can be sweating with sweat down our backs and just like completely exhausted from we've had some rough days and we'll walk in there and they're just light up and it's like, ah, this is why we do what we do. You know, it's that's that's when you realize that this this is why you do and this is why it's good. Okay, I appreciate the honesty. Um, I left 10 years of ministry to work on a farm. And there were days where I said, what am I doing here? And, you know, Ellen White makes a statement about the prophet Elisha. That it was in the humble duties of the farm that Elisha was prepared for his calling. It wasn't because farming was always enjoyable that Elisha was made the man that God needed him to be. And uh, life on a farm is not always rosy. Um, that's exactly why it's good for us. And it's, it's okay to have those days as long as you can press through those days. Are there any questions from the group out here at large? What do you want to ask these young people? Yes, Bruce. So I'll try to repeat that as best I could. Maybe future questions we can come up here and we'll hand you the mic. Uh, the statement was, though, when uh, Bruce's son, Timothy, went to Sonazona Farms, um, he liked it so much <clears throat> that then his daughter went down there, and she liked it so much that she stayed for much longer than she anticipated, and that uh, parents should view farming as an experience, uh, almost as a, um, what did you say, as a mandatory experience of sorts, if you want to call it that. So, any other questions? Can I have one comment to make yeah. on that? Um, just a word of caution to the parents. <laughs> Be very careful about making things mandatory, especially about farming. One thing that my brother and I have also talked about, we have a halfway house that's not very far from our house. And when the inmates, or whatever halfway men they are, are punished, they have to go and do gardening. What better way to make somebody hate agriculture? than to make it a mandatory thing. So please be very careful. I mean, if your children, like Angelina, uh, something like that, has an interest and goes and then likes it and then stays, then hallelujah, praise the Lord, encourage that. But please be careful about making it mandatory because I think a lot of the reason why we have you struggling with things like farming is because on a lot of our places and institutions, it's a mandatory thing. And so then they learn to hate it, and they don't want anything to do with farming. So just use caution in that area. And I'd like to go back to the question about young people on institutions and when you're working with them. And unfortunately, a lot of young people have the perception that farming is a negative. It has lots of bad rap out there. It's torture, and you're slave laboring away, pulling weeds. But this summer, I had the opportunity to work at a farm at Great Lakes Adventist Academy. And the bit of advice that I would share is enthusiastically lead. 
make farming look so appealing that people would be like, why would you not want to have fun at a farm? And I worked with up to 10 students at a time, and I just had fun with them. And I think a lot of them, by the end of the summer, had a perception of that was one of the best summers I've ever had. They felt like they were family. They felt like they were productive. The ones that were failing in school became the best workers on the farm. And it just was a great um, environment for them to work in. And that was because the staff just led enthusiastically. And it just rubbed off on the students, and they had an enjoyable time. Um, have regular wheel hoe races. It's a lot of fun. It's, OK, we're going to beat you to the end of the field. Go! It's a lot of work, but man, you get those weeds up fast. It's, hey, you know, it's competition, I guess, but hey, you know, it's, it's kind of fun at sometimes too. Other comments? Okay, any questions from the group? Okay, why don't you come up here? Yeah. And then there was another one in the back. Uh, jump up here to a microphone if you would. I apologize, I don't remember your name, but you had mentioned something about Timothy? You mentioned something about uh, how. I'll hold it. Is that better? My bad. Um, how some of the worst students became some of the hardest workers. How do you guys see farming as helping other young people who are in difficult positions or have bad histories or, or, or troubles at home? In an incredible way, farming has positively impacted every person that I have seen work on a farm. From my younger sister, who didn't really have lots of work experience when she came to Sunny Zona for a couple months, to coworkers um, who have worked in retail for a couple decades, um, and they soften and become more spiritually interested, and also students. There was a student that I worked with this summer, and he really didn't fit in with his age group. He had a hard time communicating with authority, and he stuttered and stammered and got frustrated whenever we would give him instruction. By the end of the summer, because we um, had worked with him and because we had demonstrated that we believed in his abilities, by the end of the summer, he was training other young people how to do their job, and he was communicating very effectively with all of the staff. And other students who just didn't really care about their schoolwork and really had no self-motivation became um, motivated to work because they saw that they could lead other people. And just every student there really benefited from it. And it doesn't matter their background. As long as they know and um, as long as the staff showed them that they had potential and we worked with them, they saw that in themselves, and it really changed their ability and their perspective on what they could do. Any other responses to that question? Okay, we'll take another one. So we've been counseled that as leaders and teachers, we should come out to the garden and work with you to teach you. Two questions. Has that happened? And if not... How would that affect you, and how do you think it would affect your peers who see it as sort of a negative? Do you think that could have an influence to, to encourage them to be in the garden more? Um, when I was out at Weimar, 
working in the media department, part of the first semester, it was we decided as a team that we would go and spend time, was it once or twice a week? Twice a week, twice a week on the farm. Um, and you say, you say team, but you decided as a class? A team. We were not really, we're interns slash staff. It was a confusing dynamic. Okay. The group of us who worked in media behind the computers all day long decided to go out and work on the farm twice a week. Okay. This is how it worked. And um, <laughs> the, uh, Mr. Greenfield was, was, um, was, was in charge of the farm at the time. He still is now. And uh, some of the teachers from the college would come out like the first couple weeks, it seemed. Now, this was when I was there. This was a few years ago, so things may have changed. But um, the head of the biology or medical department or whatever came out a couple times, and then religion came out a couple times. But the one teacher that was there every single time that we were there was the teacher for massage and hydrotherapy in the medical missionary class, Mrs. Pellandini. And it was always so encouraging to me well, between Richard Vermont, who was the head of the media department, and the massage teacher, they were there all the time and working with us. And it was really encouraging to me as a young person to see that they would give up time from what they could have been doing to go and work on the farm. And out of all of the teachers on campus, I became closest to the massage and hydrotherapy teacher. And I never took a single class from her. Um, but I think something that's, that's really powerful is if we really believe in Adventist education and the role that agriculture plays in that, then what is more powerful than for a teacher of academics to lay aside the books and lay aside all the things that come along with academics and to sacrifice, to use the term probably a bit unfairly because farming doesn't really have to be a sacrifice, but to sacrifice that time and spend it on the farm. Because if we want our young people to go and do likewise, how can we expect them to go and do likewise without a proper example? Now, I understand that for farmers working with institutions, it can be frustrating because they're the farmers, right? They're there all the time. Well, everybody should be here all the time. You know, and so to help incorporate that. But yes, it is important. It is very important to have the older and more experienced working with the younger and less experienced. It's example, and if we want our young people to do that. There are many, many stories during World War I and World War II about commanders that would get into the trenches with their men. And those commanders were the ones that had the most influence with their men. Um, and I think it plays true in any aspect of life and anything that you do. If you're a commander, you get in the trenches, you'll have the influence. Questions from the group? Yeah, come up here, please. Um, I would like to uh, ask you if my thoughts on uh, leadership in farming is correct. Uh, you can vote if you want. But uh, I heard it said on the Dysinger farm that uh, the sum of farming is basically this little attention is often needed when you're, you take care of those things. And the other thing I would like to add to that, if you can... can uh, um, evaluate my thought. Uh, people don't care uh, how much you know until they know how much you care. And if you take that to the front of your farming effort, 
do you think that will make a better farmer for you and a better pupil for your uh, students? If I can hold on one second before you go. Make sure we um, summarize your questions here. So question number one, if I understood it correctly, is um, success in farming essentially determined by attention to the little details? Okay, don't, don't go off. I'll let them answer the first question here. Yep. Maybe we should vote on that. Uh, okay. I'm going to add to that. Ellen White says uh, this was a letter written to an individual. She says that he could not be a successful farmer because he did not keep his farm tidy and nice. That's a quote if you look up the words tidy and nice. And um, it was his inattention to little things, the small duties of life, she said in the preceding paragraph, that made him incapable of being a successful farmer. So I, I think that Ellen White also would vote yes on that. And uh, it's encouragement to us to uh, not only keep our farms clean because we want them to be presentable, but because there's a functionality to uh, dealing with those things also. So um, the second question, if you could summarize that for me now, I've, I've kind of forgotten exactly what it was. People don't know, don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Basically, it's a statement of asking you, do you have a Christ-like attitude toward those who are your subordinates and your uh, people, the people you take produce to? Any comments to that? Second. Thank you, sir. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I mean, the, the saying in and of itself sums up the matter, I think, perfectly. So, yeah. I would say yes. And Other questions from the group at the moment? Everyone? I'm going to ask a request, not a question. I would like for everyone in this room to stand to recognize these young people. Twelve men have changed the world after Christ's death with the knowledge and the experience, and you listen to the tone and the honesty of these young people in farming. I think they can change the whole world of farming. And I think we need to stand to our feet, not in pride, but in humility, and just recognize them. I would agree with that. If I would add anything to it, this is the Lord's doing. Question. Uh, so what I'm really interested in is hearing, uh, many of you have sort of expressed uh, that you're going to make a career out of this. And uh, I say praise the Lord to that. Uh, I'm wondering how many of you have really thought through the implications of this and how are you planning for the future? How are you, what is your plan and timeline, if you have one, for purchasing your own place? How do you think you're going to be going about doing that? Um, I know many of you have been, you know, interns and, and associates at different uh, places. And uh, I just want to see how you, what, what, is your, what is the ultimate vision 
what's the ultimate goal that you have, um, and where do you see this going with uh, your own personal lives as you as you move forward? My experience is probably quite different than most people up here, um, but I I grew up on a farm. I wanted to farm, but I knew farming was risky, and so I went ahead and got a two-year degree in construction management as a backup. Um, and then on my own personal farming, I've rented 30 acres and I do organic wheat on that as well as um, farming with my father. And so my plan is, and it's, it's different because I can use his equipment, but I was able to start on that, on that level um, and, and start my own business and with my construction management, I was able to build myself a house. Um, so farmers know not to put all their eggs into one basket. Um, go about it smart, start small, and there's opportunities around. My brother became a vegetable farmer because the amount of money he had, that's what he could start doing. Um, and so there's, there's all different types of options depending on, on where you are at. Like some more answers to that question, we have about seven minutes left. So please keep your answers short. Okay. Um, what was the question? <laughs> Sorry. Okay. So. Okay. So. Oh, sorry. Um, I graduated from Andrews with a horticulture degree, and. Um, okay, it's feedback um, so I got into agriculture I mean I grew up in Southern California no experience with agric agriculture whatsoever um, and at that time I was you know into present truth and looking for what truth is and I was listening to a sermon from David Gates and <clears throat> I guess what I realized is that um, from all of that studying is that where do I go now? I mean, so I looked in, four years ago, I looked into institutions or places that had agriculture. And at that time, it was only Andrews. I mean, in the past, there was about several universities, Adventist universities, such as Walla Walla, PUC, Union, um, I'm not sure if Southern, but they all had agriculture, and it seems like Andrews. So I prayed about it, and the Lord opened the opportunity to opportunities for me to be um, at, at Andrews. And from there, um, I got a work-study program. But the, the eventual, what I would like to do is to live out in the countryside. I mean, and but in order for me to get there, it's to build up experience. And, and it bets fitted that it was you know, you gotta start from somewhere and, and opportunities occurred and happened that um, for me to be at Andrews to get that experience will help in the future when I do live out in the countryside. Okay, I'm just gonna address kind of my thoughts on the economics and how this all can work. Fortunately, I have a family that's invested 20,000 so far in my venture. But first, I would take 
well, I didn't do this per se, but I was kind of working on my own before, but um, one to two years in an internship, if you can, that's going to save you a lot of headache. And make sure it's a good internship where um, the farm helps you address fertility really well, economics as far as letting you see their um, economics and how that all works and circulates through, how they manage it. That's very critical because um, some farms don't address that very well hey, we're all struggling, so I don't, I don't, but if you're, if you have only a year to two years, make sure you choose farms. Ask them, how do you manage your fertility? Does it make sense? Economics. So on that part, that's what you want. After two years, um, in my case, I'll just use personal experience because I don't know what it will be for the rest of you, but um, we're starting off a very small. Currently, we're doing one-seventh of an acre. Um, on one-seventh of an acre, it's actually less than that, but um, we grossed um, 19,300 off of one-seventh of an acre. Um, if we can double that, I think we can get up to 45,000 next year. At least I think that's a reasonable goal from what we saw this year. And from on that, if we get up to um, one and a half acres, you're looking at anywhere between 150,000 to 200,000 a year. What your net take home will depend on how well you can manage your inputs that you have to buy, but um, what growers are seeing now that are doing small-scale one and a half acre productions, they're looking at about 45 to 50% net profit. So you're looking at anywhere between 60 to 70 or above $1,000 net profit take home pay, which I think that's as good as a lot of people do in other jobs as well. So um, that's my thoughts on it. It seems reasonable to me because of what I've seen other people do and what we've seen on one seventh of an acre if we can scale it up appropriately. I'm still on my family's farm, so I don't have experience yet in the establishing of a farm. We see our farm as the launching place. We don't know if we're going to be there long term or if we will start our own farm. But I think the key is to start small. And if you're willing to work hard, you can make a success at it anywhere. Well, uh, add, <clears throat> excuse me, add something to what Alan said. The people, the mentors that I have appreciated the most in life are the ones who were the most vulnerable with me. It is tempting when you have interns, especially if they're not your family, they're not your son, not your daughter. It is, it is tempting to put up a wall, and I'm speaking to those who are managing farms here. It is tempting to put up a wall and say, this is private, you're an employee. This is personal you're not family. That is a fatal educational mistake. Amen. Young people need to know that you trust them to the point that you are willing to open up to them your personal mistakes, your personal struggles. Uh, I'm talking personal business and personal personal too. I'm sure you've had personal struggles on the farm. And um, they need to see that. And I think what, that's what you hear Alan saying is that part of a good internship program is the farm that's vulnerable and says, I trust you enough to give you the sensitive information that might embarrass me or might hurt me. I've always appreciated that. And again, the people that, that I value as mentors are the ones who, who have done that. Okay, I want um, a short response from each person. We'll take one last question. And the question is not experience, but other skills that you feel you need or the skill you feel you need the most? Is that administrative ability? Is that uh, business management? Is that organization? Is that fertility? 
is that what is the skill you feel you need the most? Please be short. We're out of time, but I'll take one or two things from each of you. Um, if anyone here has been attending the soil health seminars, uh, that is something that is really crucial. God calls us to be knowledgeable, and, and he will provide the wisdom if we're truly seeking it and truly restoring the soil, working with the soil, understanding his creation, um, not just, oh, let's try this, let's try it just randomly, but he wants, he wants us to understand what we're doing. So truly study his creation, the soil, the life in the soil, and move forward with that. Okay. I'm not picking on you, but we are out of time. One or two words. Um, business management and soil fertility. Marketing and marketing. <laughs> soil fertility. Business management and um, uh, marketing. Accounting. <laughs> soil fertility. Soil fertility and um, crop timings, planning, scheduling, slash business management is kind of what it is. Timing on crops to put them in, that's really critical for succession planting and on a small farm, having that accurate down so you can say, I plant it here to get to the customer. That's very valuable, but there's nothing out there to really manage that very well. So uh, to the young people up here, we thank you for your answers. In uh, light of our brother's comment a moment ago, I think we need to end with a well-deserved prayer. Father in heaven, uh, this is a sacred moment. It's sacred because you created the earth and you designed this process of farming to participate in the plan of sanctification. And you also designed it to prepare those people like Elisha who will hopefully soon be the ones to carry that final message and bring us one day closer to the garden in heaven. Amen. Father, though it be special, we should not leave here flattering these young people. It is humility that was to be learned on the farm, not the thought that we're special because we're farmers. And we pray for all of us that you would give us the characters that we need to possess the kingdom. Blessed be your name. Thank you for this opportunity this week. May you go with all of us and these young people especially. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.